0: In this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast, Leaf Tulane and I, we went over Leaf's Big Board 1.0, but this episode is broken up into two parts. We went a little overtime, so I had to split it into two episodes. I think you'll enjoy the dialogue and the conversation. Leaf watches more college basketball than anyone else, and he has this unique way of evaluating talent. So check out Leaf Tulane's Big Board 1.0. As promised in this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast, it is Leaf Tulane's Big Board 1.0. Yesterday, Richard Stamen dropped off his Big Board and he had Ron Holland at number one. I didn't agree with that choice, but I respect everybody's opinion. So today, I'm curious to see who Leaf has at number one in his Big Board 1.0. But this is an episode you do not want to miss. Big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. We are your source for NBA draft content coming at you five days per week. We have a great team with James Barlow, Leaf Tulane and Richard Stamen. And today is Leafs Day, like I mentioned in the open. Leafs Day to drop his big board. It's always fun. It's great dialogue in the comments on, on YouTube. So I'm looking forward to seeing if Leaf has has any big surprises. All right, Leaf, how has everything been going your way? Have the Jazz been keeping you busy?
1: The Jazz have definitely been keeping me busy. I will be heading to the arena right after we finish this for for a little bit of statistics work on the road, but always enjoyable watching and covering NBA basketball. And I've been having enough time to watch a lot of college hoops, too. So I've been I've been busy. Uh, Sleep schedule is messed up from watching the Australian Open, but i'm I'm doing well eager for this episode all right, so let's get started number one who is
0: the number one guy on your big board one point oh may I in a perfect world we'll do at least six big boards each because we have plenty of time between now and the NBA draft but at the same time it's actually going by pretty fast
1: so who is number one on your big board number one for me is Alexander Saar. I I hesitated to put him there initially just because I think it's pretty close at the top. But when I watch him play, I think there are things that he he can do that are unteachable. And I think rarity in terms of traits is something that when you're trying to win and you're trying to change your franchise, I don't think there's a guy who's a franchise-altering player like we've talked about. Like you and I both said, Bancaro can be the face of a franchise and score. I don't see that from Sar, but he does things that no one else in this draft can do. And he does so... With with ease, and I think you can cultivate those skills on the defensive end, and you can cultivate some of the coordination and fluidity skills on the offensive end to being a player that is integral to your franchise's success. And so that's why I have him at number one. I don't think he has the h- absolute highest ceiling of this class, but I think he's got a very high floor and a close to highest of the class ceiling. Speaking
0: of Van Carroll, I was at the Mavericks Magic game, and my seats were like in the fifth row. And I usually sit in like the scout section at the Mavs game, which is it is good seats. It's in like the first bowl, but it's kind of behind the hoop. But watching Ben Carroll and Luca go at it from like the fifth row, directly across from the Mavericks bench, you see the size and the skill set and how physical he is up close. It's it, it just gives me a a different respect for how good he is and how good Luka is. But like you said, there's no Ben Carroll in in this class. But I like Saar. He's my number one. It's just a combination of length, athleticism, and fluidity. I think once he gets stronger, you're going to be able to see him operate in the post with his LaMarcus Aldridge-like turnaround, high-release jumper. But then it's just things that he does in the open floor at at seven one, the way he moves and can attack a closeout. I think if he puts it all together, I think he can be really really special. I don't have like a full player comparison, which is something I've been I I've, I've been asked a lot about who do, who do I compare him to, but for me right now, I'm putting him in a category on his own. Like he is clear cut my number 1 and then I think there's like a tier below him where it's kind of interchangeable. So I really like SAR, which is crazy because I was very, very critical of SAR coming into the season. I have been watching him for years. He started off at number 30 on my big board that I released in in August on NBA But he's been number one since the G League showcase. And it's gonna be hard for him to to move down any any further unless something crazy happens. All right. So so who is number two on, on your big board?
1: Number two for me is Nikola Topić. I uh, I want to say this. I think he has the if his outcome in terms of skill set alone hits. I think he's the he's got the best skill set to dominate the NBA. Like if he if one of these guys becomes a superstar, I think his skill set is the one that translates the best. And obviously, it's an easy comparison to say, oh, he's like Luka Doncic. He's like Goran Dragic because he's from uh, Slovenia, and. I, I agree in the sense that that's the kind of the mold of player, but it's not easy to say, oh, he's Luka Doncic. But what I do think is that the jumbo size facilitator is a trend that's not going to go away. It's a trend that I'm uh, very partial to. I think that those type of players do very well. It, his guile and his ability to score using uh, – like playing against older players is something that I think translates once you play against the premier athletes in the NBA. His facilitation is impressive. And so when if I were to take one player's skill set – to reach the top level and be the best in terms of ceiling alone, I think I would lean Nikola Topic. I just think there's a little bit more of a downside than with Sar. whereas Sar, to me, has an extremely high floor and a pretty high ceiling. So I think there's a little bit of safety in Sar. whereas Topic, I think he really needs to maximize that skill set. But if he were to maximize that skill set, I'd have the most optimism in him becoming a star.
0: Yeah, the Luca. The comparisons I don't necessarily agree with. I, I get, you know, they're both big and, and playmakers. Luca doesn't drive like straight line speed like like Topic does. Luca is at his own pace and I go to pretty much every Mavs home game. I mean he plays literally at his own pace, slow, very, very crafty. While Topic is a guy, he gets a screen and, and it is straight downhill, but he is an excellent finisher around the rim, and he's not like finishing above the rim. He has mastered angles. Well, I think Luca has mastered angles, but Luca, if he can't get the angle, he creates it with his strength and his shoulders. While Topic doesn't have the the strength to do that. But my comparison all along has been Goran Dragic, just with the straight line speed. He's bigger than Goran, doesn't shoot it as well. I mean, obviously, right now. I mean, they're you know there's. There's a huge difference in age, but I do think that there there are some comparisons as far as um, being able to get downhill and make plays for others.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. And then one one note is oftentimes the best indicating indicator of shooting touch is free throw line, and he's shooting 87% from the line, even though he's shooting 28 from three. I think he's somewhere in the middle there. But uh, just to point that out is I, I think the shot is something that I'm less concerned about because you can see he's able to put the ball in the hole from the free throw line. And the fact that he's able to see over defenses and facilitate is something that is creating tremendous advantages for teammates. And in a league where offense is becoming king, like, yes, defense helps you, but offense is really what's winning right now. Uh it, like a couple of years ago, Kevin Durant's Warriors team were, were blowing teams out of the water in terms of offensive efficiency. If they came into the NBA today, they'd be in eighth place in terms of points per possession. So that talks about just the general uh, need for offense. I think he's the one who can elevate your offense most of anyone in this class, which is, I think, more important at this rate than being a two-way player, which is the other concern about him being not a great athlete, which I think is slightly unfair just because of um the old cliche about european players that has slightly become less true but it's still believed by many
0: yeah i think i think he has the speed the blow by speed to get into the paint and you give him a ball screen and once he gets downhill in a paint touch he creates all types of of havoc there so i'm i'm high on him it's crazy i just watched him play Last year, I think I mentioned it in the last episode, but in Utah, when I was at um, Basketball Without Borders All-Star Weekend, he was there, but he was not like the guy. Like the guy that everyone was raving about was Bozelis, Maras Bozelis, who won MVP. But Elliot Cadeau was the guy that stood out. But ever since then, once he got back to Europe and in the next generation tournaments and the play over the summer for the Serbian national team, I mean, it's it's been going up, up, up. Quick question. If his role is scaled down significantly, playing for Red Star, how do you think that will impact his draft stock?
1: I don't know if it's going to impact it a ton just because this class doesn't have too many players that possess a ceiling like he does, um, if it were to all hit. But obviously, Luca dominated at Madrid. And so if, if you're likening him to a guy that, that you want to change your franchise with, uh, and he's not doing it at the European level, maybe there is some hesitancy. But I just don't think there's other candidates at the top that really dissuade you from taking him high, even if he does play a slightly smaller role at a better basketball team.
0: Yeah, I'm. it's very rare for me to say something won't ever happen again, but I, I honestly believe we will never see a teenager lead his team to the Euroleague championship, like we saw with Luca. Like I don't, I mean, like Victor didn't do it. He didn't win a championship in the French league because they lost to a Euroleague team that didn't win the Euroleague championship. But what Luca did his his last year at Madrid was was incredible, and I don't think it will ever ever happen again. All right, when we return, we'll find out who is number three on Leafs list. All right, before we get into the second segment, let's talk about Prize Picks because Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. And it is also the easiest and the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports because you don't have to battle thousands of different players and pros and sharks. It is just you versus the projected numbers. All you have to do is pick two to six players. And you're just going against the numbers, and with basketball season in full swing, you can now pick combo projections across multiple leagues. There's only one football game left, but let's just say for Super Bowl weekend, you wanted to do a combo projection of Travis Kelsey and LeBron James, a combination of 10.5, three-pointers made, and receptions. And let's say you wanted to play against some celebrities, you can play against Meek Mill and Andrew Schultz in the Community Plays League. Price Picks also has a reboot policy. So if one of your players gets injured in the first half, they automatically get rebooted. There is not another daily fantasy sports platform that offers an insurance policy. So go to prizepicks.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA, but it has to be in lowercase letters, LOCKEDONNBA. You can get a first deposit match up to $100. So again, prizepicks.com. Locked On has launched the first ever National Sports 247 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports today is here for you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. So go to Locked On Sports today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever National Sports 24 hours a day, seven days a week streaming channel. All right, second segment. We left off talking about Alexar, Nikola Topic, or Topic, the topic of discussion for a lot of draft draft junkies. All right, let's see who you have at number three. Because there are some people on some boards that I've seen have three Europeans in their top three, like the first three picks of European. What direction are you going in?
1: I'm going I'm going with Ron Holland at number three for me, and there's a chance he creeps up higher. Uh, I, at the beginning of this process, had him number one, but I, uh, as I admitted when we first talked about this in the summer, I hadn't watched enough of some of the high school prospects to give a real answer, and I hadn't watched enough of Topic or Sarr to give a real answer, just kind of one game each sample size. Uh, I'd seen the most of Holland, and I saw a motor and the physical frame to, to be an impact defender at the at the very least, and then you hope that he develops the offensive skill set. Well, recently, the numbers have been better. Uh, there was a lot of critiques early in the G League season, but I'll just read off some of his recent games. He's On January 10th, he scored 30. On the 15th, 21, 24, 25, 15, 31, and 25. So his last seven games, he's really been able to put the ball in the hole. And for the most part, pretty decent efficiency. Like you can nitpick and say, oh, he had a 6 of 17 game in there, and he shot 0 of 4 from 3 in that. But most of these he's been able to put it together and score the basketball fairly efficiently, getting to the rim, putting pressure on the rack, getting free throws, uh, competing on defense, grabbing rebounds. And I've been impressed with distributing assists a few times. He had 8 assists in one of those games. And like I said, the main allure is the body type and motor. Um, Because you knew at the very, very least that those were going to going to hit. Um, And if he can put together offense and make himself more of an offensive weapon, uh, that I think his upside is pretty high. I do hesitate to say, oh, this is the type of guy that you turn the keys over to. I don't necessarily think that's the case, but you, you evaluate him compared to the competition. And I think he's got a skill set that's above most of the players that that are in this draft class.
0: OK, that's fair. How much do you value winning? Because I I feel like, and I've discussed it with with other hosts, that the Ignite prospects aren't judged by winning at all. And it's the only league in the world where they're not judged by wins and losses. You can put up numbers and not have to win games, and it's not held against you. If it's on a high school level, nope. Nope you you if it's on the college level no and in the nba you get a small window because they say the team is rebuilding and that's why the ignite prospects are difficult for me to to gauge especially the ones that are like the high usage guys because if you just look at the numbers their numbers are always good like if you're the guy that the ignite has like has um I guess kind of made the the face of their program that year. Everybody's numbers have been very good from Jaden Hardy. I mean, even look at like Michael Foster, his numbers were good. Jalen Green. But it's just weird to me. Like, it's, it's just really weird that I feel like I'm one of the few that that looks at the, the wins and losses and where the points are coming from, how they're coming when I judge Ignite players.
1: I would say the first year of Ignite, I I did think about that frequently, and I'll I'll give an example. I thought that Jalen Green, like everyone was like, oh Jalen Green could be the number one. It's him or Cade, and his numbers aren't that good, and they're not winning. So it was like a it's a double, like edge sword of that if he's not doing great and they're not winning but then when when other players have scored well and they're not winning it now becomes a bigger thing it's like oh it's empty calorie and it felt like that one held more punch than the the lack of efficiency and losing did um so i i've i've played that same game for Jaden hardy i was like well you know what i don't really care that his efficiency numbers aren't great it's because he's forced to scoring against grown men as an 18 year old um so in this case i think it's it doesn't bother me a ton just because I've become accustomed to it. But I think initially I was bothered by the lack of winning. Uh, for instance, I didn't have Markel Fultz number one. Um, and a lot of it was, I didn't think he was winning. Like Lonzo Ball was in the same conference and he moved the needle more for me. I had Jason Tatum number one that year, just because he was doing a lot for a really good team. Um, so I I do tend to agree with you in that sense, but, I've become accustomed and maybe a bit desensitized to the G League Ignite not winning just because they're playing against established teams of grown men, players that have played in the NBA. And I don't expect them to win. So I just look for flashes of talent. And I don't know if that's necessarily good or bad. And it's been a mixed bag of results for G League Ignite players throughout the NBA in the early years of that program.
0: Yeah, and that's fair. My, I guess my issue with college players are a college player that's not on a winning team doesn't have... Other projected first round picks on his team. So you look at Markel Fultz, I think the year he came, Marquise Chris and DeJounte Murray left earlier than expected. And I, I guess I'm a, I imagine he signed up to go to Washington to play with those guys. You look at Lonzo's team, they had Two first round picks on that
1: team, if I'm not mistaken. He he, he made the TJ Leaf a first round pick,
0: but and he, he definitely the other kid, a uh, uh, He definitely made those guys that. So I, yeah, it's just I don't know, man. It's like it's not held against them. There's no pressure to win. I mean, I saw a game. It was like like more people live in my apartment building <laughs> than there was at the game. It was just just. I don't know. I like the Ignite. I want to like everything that they're doing. I I like the players individually, but I just think this the way I like Jason Hart, too. I just think the situation is creating some really, really, really bad habits. So I'm openly lower on the Ignite high usage guys than 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 others. All right. When we return, we'll wrap up the rest of Leafs top ten. Happy Super Bowl to all of those from FanDuel, which is America's number one sports book. And if you're like me, the Super Bowl is its all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite snacks, and placing some super bets. And FanDuel has so many ways. I mean, there's multiple ways for you to end your season with a W or two or maybe even three. Now you can bet on who will win the Super Bowl 58. But FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and more. And if you are a new customer, again, if you are a new customer, you can get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet or more wins. So go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. That is FanDuel.com slash Well, Who is number four on your list?
1: I'm going to go with back to Europe with Zachary Um, He's a player that I will admit I haven't watched as much of compared to the rest of the 10 prospects, but his skill set intrigues me. At the very least, he's an excellent shooter. He's got size, and I think he's more fluid with the basketball than some of those players that have been in his uh, archetype before. Uh, many players, like I've seen many sources cite him as someone you could compare to Michael Porter Jr and i don't i don't know if i agree with necessarily like the prospect evaluation of one to one because michael porter junior before he hurt his back was had the ball in his hands but in the nba he's a three he's a three and d who early in his career was not good defensively whatsoever is an excellent catch and shoot guy and he's got more size than most three and d's even though um that that they're becoming bigger and bigger but he's he's one of the tallest ones and he's one of the best most effective shooters off the catch And he's got ability to dribble. I think Reese Hachet is even a better dribbler and maybe a creator than Michael Porter Jr. Um, And it's hard to say he's that good of a shooter. Uh, I'm not saying he's he's as good a creator for himself. I think he's better for others uh, in terms of the way he dribbles and into the pain he creates for others. I I don't think he's as good a scorer as Michael Porter Jr. He's a
0: better ball Uh, mover for sure.
1: And. And I think that there's a chance he can be a secondary playmaker because of that. I don't think he's going to be your lead scorer, but in this draft class, you got to look at what, who else is there. And I don't think his ceiling's as high as some others, but I think his floor is far higher than others because of his skills that fits beautifully into the NBA. Like shooting is is at, coming at a premium right now. He's an excellent shooter and he's got significant size and defensively the traits Aren't something that I'm like wowed by, but they're certainly not a deterrent for picking him, which is often the case when you're like, oh, it's a good shooter from Europe. And, and in this case, I don't see it that way.
0: One of the things that I've grown to really appreciate about Risa Shea, because I was critical on him, and just because I've been watching him since 2021, I think right now the role that he's playing for his team is the role that he's going to play in the NBA. And so I think he ends up being one of the safest guys in this draft because, like I said, the role he's playing now is what I think he'll play in the NBA. A spot-up shooter, a ball mover, a guy that defends all over the floor. Now, if he expands on that, then you got a big win. But at the minimum, I just think that he's going to be a guy that knocks down open shots, defends multiple positions, moves the ball, scores on straight line drives, and then transitions. So... I think, like I said, he's one of the safer picks in this class. All right, when we return, we'll wrap up the rest of Leafs top 10. Happy Super Bowl to all of those from FanDuel, which is America's number one sports book. And if you're like me, the Super Bowl is it's all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite snacks and placing some super bets. And FanDuel has so many ways. I mean, there's multiple ways for you to end your season with a W or two or maybe even three. Now you can bet on who will win the Super Bowl 58. But FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and more. And if you are a new customer, again, if you are a new customer, you can get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet or more wins. So go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That is FanDuel.com slash Locked On. All right, last segment. we only at four. So who is number five on your list?
1: This one might come as a little bit of a surprise, but I'm going with Cody Williams.
0: I wouldn't say it's a surprise. I've seen them at one on some boards. I know Richard just had him at number 10. I'm not surprised by it, but I guess it's kind of in the middle because Tristan Peak had him at number one, Richard had him at 10, ten So you've got him at five is in the middle. So
1: I had him at four up when when you first started asking me about making a board, and then I watched a little more ressachet and a little more williams. and and I think that that's one I could very easily change uh, multiple times throughout this process. Uh, Cody Williams is an interesting read because in theory, I really love what he presents. I think a lot of people that are elevating him are looking at what his brother's doing. And then they say, oh, he can do that, too, because his brother was a late bloomer from three. His brother was a late bloomer in terms of his pick and roll uh, abilities. And, what, and when he came on, well, Cody Williams is being evaluated as a freshman versus Jalen Williams as a junior. And I, I think you have to evaluate what you're seeing. So uh, it depends the game for Cody Williams. And that's something that makes me a little nervous as a prospect. Uh, he is someone who can get to spots on the floor. He can elevate. He finds a way to score. He is a good defender at the collegiate level. He is a all right shooter in the sense that his numbers have been very good at times in the year on low volume, but then you watch him and I'm not wowed by his his stroke. I do like his touch. I do like his ability to kind of glide to the middle. I don't think he's quite the explosive athlete his brother is um, off the ground. Um, and then And then I would say, it's hard to tell with Colorado because they have a lot of guys that need the basketball in different places. Like KJ Simpson is their point guard, but he's more scoring oriented, which makes Cody Williams more of a creator. And it's hard to have that role as a freshman with a team that has multiple guys who need the basketball. So he's a difficult evaluation. I wouldn't be surprised if he moves up for me just because I like the upside more than I like most people. And as you know, if you've listened to this and, and Raphael knows from talking to me for two years, I like upside players, especially guys who are big ball handlers. So he's a, he's a guy that whose archetype I like. Um, so I, I'm pretty high on him, I guess. I thought it was higher than most people. But uh, I think he could move up for me. I, I'm just a little pessimistic about the role that he's playing for Tad Boyle's Colorado team, who hasn't had many one-and-done prospects.
0: Yeah, who was the last one? Chauncey Billups?
1: That predates Tad Boyle, but yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But no, he's shooting the ball extremely well. That was like the biggest concern. The sample size is limited. It's less than two threes per game, but he's at like 52%. He's shooting 57% from the floor, 58% if you want to round it up. The free throw shooting is at 71%, so it makes you wonder what is the more true indicator of his shooting touch. Is it the free throw shooting where he's average or the 52% from three? But again, it's a very low volume of attempts. He's 13 for 25, which is great. He's making them. I I do have a little bit of concern about his role, but I think the role that he's playing now as a facilitator could actually fit him because you can play him next to a point guard that prefers to score and he can be the perfect compliment. You You can go down the list of, Scoring guards who may want some time off the ball and a guy like Cody Williams allows them to, to move off the rock some. All right, we'll be back with part two of this episode. We covered Leafs top five and in the next episode, we will cover prospects six through 10 on Leaf to big board 1.0. Once again, it's Rafael Barlow with Leaf to and We are out of here.